Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back to another episode of the Championship Roundtable podcast. You can reach us on the show on Twitter at Championship Pod, and you can reach me on Twitter at underscore James Vickers, where I mainly tweet about Preston North End. Hello, I'm Louis Shackshaft. You can find me on Twitter, which is just my name, or you can visit my website, which is just my name. Also, uh, I generally tweet and write or blog about Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, cheers for joining me today, Louis. Um, I'm on short today, so I think we're going to have to talk a bit more than we usually do, which um, depending on if you... I'll this time, will I? Yeah, I was going to say, depending <laughs> on if uh, people listening enjoy the two of us rambling on, um, you know, they'll either like it or hate it. But um, I think if we start first with the, the fixtures from the weekend, so looking for the fixture list and, and results, Aston Villa had one of the most entertaining games of the weekend, sort of seeing the highlights, 3-2 win against Wigan. Wigan, you know, coming up to the league, not done too bad in their first couple of games. They've got a win and a defeat. Um, How did you sort of see that game? And did you expect Villa to make it as hard work as they did? I know they got the last minute winner. Did you expect them to come out sort of comfortable winners in that? Um, Before the game, you would have probably said so. But fair play to Wigan, obviously. They went out and they probably should have, taken a draw in, in that game and you know from my perspective as a Wednesday fan you know Wigan deserved to to beat us in in the first game of the season and, and they, they won 3-2 and this time they've lost 3-2 it's just un- unfortunate they, they conceded in the 94th minute um, you know Villa are one of them teams who probably will be in the top six at the end of the season and like I say to, to concede in the 94th minute was a bit of a killer for Wigan but they are playing some decent football and they've, they've still scored five goals in two games. So so fair play to them. Um, but it's just a shame, like I say, for Wigan that they didn't come away with a point there. Yeah, definitely. I think Wigan have been one of the teams that have surprised me so far. Obviously, it's still early days. Teams only haven't played two or three games. But the way they've come into the division, you know, you only have to look at the two games, as you mentioned, that they've been involved in, both high-scoring games. And it'd be easy for a team that albeit they played sort of good attacking football last season to come up to a new division and, you know, first and foremost, shut up shop. They've stuck to their guns of what got them promoted last year. And I think if they carry on that way, they should be sort of more than safe this season and, you know, have quite a good season. Um, Moving on to the next game, though, uh, Blackburn and Millwall, the complete opposite. It was a a nil-nil draw. I know the the Millwall keeper, uh, Jordan Archer, made a couple of good saves in that game. So, you know, on another day, Blackburn could have come away with the win. How do you sort of assess Millwall's start to the season and Blackburn's obviously two draws from for, for each of them? Do you think Millwall will be up there again come the end of the season in playoff contention? Yeah, I, I can see Millwall again finishing probably top half. Um, I think before that game, you probably would have predicted a draw. Um, you know, nil-nil was the only fixture in, in the division when both teams didn't score. Um you know, Millwall are a dogged team and they're always hard to beat. And I think Mill, both Blackburn and Millwall are probably happy with a point at the end of that game. You know, Blackburn obviously not wanting to be defeated. And, you know, Millwall, that's the type of performance going away from home, picking up a point that they'll probably do quite often this season. Uh, and I'm sure you'll agree with me there. Yeah, I think Millwall last year, similar to Preston, really, you know, a team without a massive budget and they've got that togetherness in their squad that, you know, especially away from home you need in this division. And I think, yeah, as you mentioned, I think a top half finish for them this season should definitely be the aim to sort of build on last season. They've got that core at their squad still kept together. Obviously a team that overperforms like they did last season would have been easy for them to, you know, lose a couple of players in the summer, but they seem to have kept that sort of togetherness. And I think both of those teams over the course of this season will be fine. 
moving on to the next one, Bolton uh, and Bristol City drew to all. I think Bolton, one of the teams that have surprised me so far, obviously, the start of this season. I think Bristol, although they've brought in Vyman to replace the goals that they're sort of lacking now through Bobby Reed leaving, I think they will find it a bit more difficult this season. You know, two draws from their opening two games and you know, they they need to start getting sort of wins on the board, which seems daft to, to say, you know, early on. But I think uh, considering the form that they had last season up until about February time, they'll be eager to, to get wins on the board early and, you know, start climbing up that table. Um, Bolton, on the other hand, you know, great win away on the opening day against West Brom. And then to get a draw at home to Bristol City, I don't think many people would have expected them to get four points from them opening two games. How do you sort of assess both of them two starts to the season? And do you think Bolton will have enough about them this time to stay up in the division? Well, if they carry on the way they are doing, then yes. Um, Bolton were one of my tips to obviously finishing the bottom three. Um, and they kick, they'll be kicking themselves because they probably should have beat Bristol City as well. I know it was nil-nil at half-time and then they found themselves... Um, 2-0 up after with, with only 30 minutes to play and we all know that Bristol City are one of the most entertaining teams and can score goals um, in this division they've got some great players despite selling some of the better players in Flint and Bobby Reid but um, at the end of at the end of the game I think Bristol City must have been relieved that they did come away with a point and like I say Bolton probably should have won it and at the minute taking four points after two games fair play to Bolton they've had a, had a decent start and Bristol City I still expect though to kick on and again finish in the top half this season yeah moving on to the the next game Middlesbrough had a 1-0 win against Birmingham to go with the the 3-0 win that they had in midweek last week against Sheffield United I know you uh, very kindly stepped in on the first show of the season and and did your sort of predictions for the sort of how you see the league going this season. One of the teams I had to go up and challenge for the automatics for the majority of the season, I fully expect them to be top two is Middlesbrough. You know, Mm -hmm. a a 3-0 win against a very good Sheffield United side and then to follow that up against Birmingham, which, you know, last season could have been a potential banana skin for them. They seemed to win the games against the better teams last season, Middlesbrough, but then struggle in the the so-called easier games. So to get a 1-0 win for them, you know, it's more points on the board and, you know, Top of the division at the moment, clear of uh, of Leeds by a point. Obviously, having played a game more, do you expect them to be sort of challenging around the sort of the top three or four this uh, sort of season? And do you expect them to go up? In a word, yes. Um, I've predicted Middlesbrough to go up, whether that's in first or second. And the reason I say that is because I think Middlesbrough are one of the teams that will probably only lose one or two games at home this season. I think at home under Pulis, and they've kind of proved that already. Yes, they beat Sheffield United 3-0 and that was pretty much game over after 25 minutes when Downing scored. And like I say, with, <laughs> you know, with 60 minutes still to play, Sheffield United had it, had it all to do and they've had to have scored three goals to come back and, and earn a point. Uh, but then in the most recent performance, again, with Britta Sombolonga up front, he was my prediction to finish one of the top goal scorers. Uh, obviously, he's off the mark. Um probably wasn't a fair reflection of the game because I thought Middlesbrough could have won 2 or 3-0 again in that game. Uh, But for me, yeah, Middlesbrough are definitely going to be up there and and they would be one of my tips for promotion. In terms of Birmingham, um, it's a funny one, Birmingham, because we've had a lot of people on Twitter and people mentioning Birmingham who've predicted them finishing somewhere between 3rd and 24th. So for for Birmingham at the minute, it's kind of difficult for me to predict where they will finish. I, I think they'll probably come where, somewhere around halfway. Um, I think Gary Monk will probably get them firing on all cil- cylinders as the season progresses, but they have had a very tough fixture uh, going away to Middlesbrough, and I think most people would have predicted that outcome. Yeah, so moving on from Middlesbrough to a team that I tipped last week to be kind of a surprise package in the league this season. There's not really been much talked about them, uh, and that's Norwich. Probably, and I'll get your thoughts on this as well, Louis, game of the weekend for me. Uh, they unfortunately lost at home uh, 4-3 against West Brom, who, you know, even though early days again, vital that they sort of got back to winning ways against uh, against Norwich this weekend after that opening day defeat against Bolton, you know, to come down from the Premier League and then start with uh, a defeat at home to a team that, you know, they should have really been beating with the squad they have. 
would have been easy for you know the fans to start to get a bit worried, similar to Sunderland last season. But to go away to Norwich and you know score four goals, obviously the disappointing thing for them will be that they've conceded three. But you know earlier stage of the season, it's about getting points on the board and you know building that momentum. Um, Norwich, you know. It's always the way with teams that I tip, you know, one point from their opening two games and that was a draw on the opening day. Obviously still early days, so a lot to play for still. Was this your game of the weekend and how do you sort of see West Brom doing this season? Do you reckon they can bounce back first time and return to the Premier League? Personally, I think West Brom will probably finish somewhere around the playoffs. I don't, I think they'll kind of fall short of top two. Um, and I, like I say, I predict that they'll probably come fifth or sixth this season and, and they're one of the candidates to potentially go up via the playoffs. Um, yeah, Nor- Norwich on the other hand, I think it's obviously a, a tough fixture that they've played there against West Brom. Like I mentioned, that I believe they'll finish top six. I still think Norwich will be OK. I know they've only taken one point from the first two games, but as you've mentioned there, there's a hell of a long way to go. It could have easily swayed the other way in that game. I know, obviously, Norwich went 1-0 up um, and found themselves 3-1 three- three, down with 25 minutes to go. But Jordan Rhodes did miss a penalty, um, which I believe would have brought it back to 2-2. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that game, yeah, it was just simply one of those games that was one of the games of the weekend. Um, Definitely with a couple more that stand out, which was obviously the Villa game against Wigan, which we've kind of touched upon. And then we were going to talk about the Leeds victory over Derby uh, later in the show. But yeah, in terms of West Brom, that's obviously a fantastic victory for them. But I don't think it's worrying times yet for Norwich. I think they will be okay this season. Yeah, so to move on to the next game that we're going to cover, um, Nottingham Forest came out 1-0 winners against Reading. And I know speaking to Simeon on the show last week, who comes on and talks about Reading, you know, he, he could see the positives from that Derby game in the opening game. They lost it right in the last minute, you know, in heartbreaking fashion. But, you know, take nothing away from that Derby goal. It's one of the best headers that you'll see all season by by Tom Lawrence and, you know, fitting to win any game of football. So talking to Simeon, it was about taking that sort of, I'd call it momentum because of the way they played. You know, they had a very good game against Derby when not many people thought they'd, you know, get as close as they did to picking up a point. It was important um, that they took that to Nottingham Forest. And to come out, you know, on the, the end of a narrow defeat, um, to Nottingham Forest, you know, it shouldn't be too disheartening for them. The amount of money Nottingham Forest have spent this summer, and I think they're going to be one of the teams to keep an eye out for, you know, can't be too disheartening for them, as I said. And I think, you know, talking to Simeon, their fixtures do ease off a bit after the opening couple of weeks. And, you know, then it's their real chance to start getting points on the board. So to touch on Forest a bit more, though, Louis, do you think that they're spending this seat of this summer is going to help them sort of push for the playoffs this season, similar to the spending that Wolves did. It, it seems to be sort of a, a similar model that they're they're following to Wolves. I know they've bought one or two Portuguese players, which you know Wolves did sort of to great effect last season in people like Neves. Do you mm. think they can have a real sort of push at the playoffs this season? Yeah, I think they could be one of the potential dark horses. Uh, I'm not going to say that they are going to go up, but like you mentioned there, they could definitely be a surprise package and. To get Lewis Graben that we've talked about previously on the pod, who was obviously at Villa and uh, Sunderland last season, that you know that's fantastic business. He will definitely get goals there for Forest. And and then in terms of uh, Reading, uh, the the only thing that I can say, I know we, we've talked to Simeon about Reading and he's taking the positives from each game and and they haven't played that badly. Uh, but the problem is is that even though they're not playing that badly, they've still got zero points on the board. And I think a lot of teams would have, uh, sorry, a lot of people would have predicted Reading as one of the teams to be in um, around the relegation zone come the end of the season. And I'm afraid to say, I think that they will definitely be down there, whether that's actually going down and relegated or finishing somewhere between 19th and 22nd I don't know but they just I don't think they've got that edge and that quality um, especially in the final third that are going to help them progress in the league and and find themselves jumping up places in the league this season I think you kind of look at the league table already and you can already see a pattern in the teams that you would predict to be at the top six at the end of the season are pretty much already there and, and the ones at the bottom 
uh, like your Reddings and QPRs, Hull Cities, Ipswiches are, are also down there as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I do fear for Reading this season. Yeah, you touched on QPR there as well, which brings us nicely on to their game. They, unfortunately for them, suffered a 2-1 defeat at home against Sheffield United. Obviously, it was important for Sheffield United to bounce back quickly after that midweek defeat against Middlesbrough. And we touched on sort of the manner of the defeat, you know, being 3-0 down in the opening half an hour. Really sort of wrote the game off for them before sort of even half time, really. So for them to get back to winning ways was vitally important for them. QPR, I saw sort of Preston play them on the first game of the season. And as you mentioned, they are one of the teams I fear for this season. We only won 1-0 against them, but that was mainly due to us not really sort of taking chances. You know, they offered very little up front, to be honest, when sort of I saw them play. And I think, you know, in this league, you need to sort of take your chances and score a lot of goals. And I just don't see them having that kind of player this season. And I think, you know, the squad as a whole you know, isn't as strong as it has been in recent years for them. They've got a lot of players that they've sort of either brought through their academy or signed from lower league clubs like Matt Ingram, who's come in from Wickham and, you know, just starting to get game time now, you know. So I do fear for them a little bit. And I think it's going to be a real test for Steve McLaren, who, you know, not the most popular figure amongst the English sort of supporters for his time in charge of the national team. So while it's an opportunity for him to kind of rebuild his reputation in England, I do fear for him and think that, you know, this is almost a poison chalice for him. And I do think QPR will struggle quite a bit this season. Do you agree with that? And where, obviously, being a Wednesday fan, I know you don't like talking about Sheffield United, but do you think that they can have another push at the playoffs this season and get a little bit closer than they did last year? Yeah, I'll start with QPR. I, I do, yeah, they were one of my predictions to actually go down, which maybe surprised a few people. But I, again, I just don't think that QPR have got the quality. I also don't, you know, I think Steve McLaren's had his day. I don't think he's particularly a fantastic manager. I can't see them being anything but below average this season. Uh, probably sound like I'm being awful. Uh, but regarding the game, um, I'm probably going to say his name wrong, but Eberichi Ize, who scored the goal, um, he looks lively. He looks like a decent player. Um, I know he's obviously young and not got too much experience, but he took his goal fantastically well. And he, he looks certainly like he's got a lot of pace and can beat a man. Uh, but in terms of Sheffield United, they obviously really, really needed this victory. Uh, obviously, they, they had no points on the board prior to this game. Um, and yes, I do. I think Sheffield United will be a, a, a tough fixture for anybody again this season. They continue to play decent football. Um, you know, I know I'm a Wednesday fan, but you've got to be realistic. They've again brought in Oliver Norwood today, which I think is a decent signing for them. Obviously, the, we know that Sharp and Clark are both uh, certainly past you know the, the wrong side of thirty, and and you know they, they both can score goals and. They've also got McGoldrick as well, who scored the penalty to win the game. I did think it was a, probably a bit of a controversial penalty. You know, a lot of referees probably wouldn't have given that. But they're off the mark. And yes, I think they're a, a challenge for anybody this season. I don't think that they will finish in the playoffs. I think they will come again somewhere similar to where they did last season and maybe finish around the 10th, 11th mark. But, you know, on, on their day, especially at Bramall Lane, they, they can beat anybody here. Yeah. Yeah, you touched on Oliver Norwood there. I think that's a great piece of business for them. And with Paul Coots coming back as well from his injury last season, I think uh, while the team was warming up, he was doing a bit of individual training on his own. So he doesn't look too far off for a turn now. I think, you know, to get those players in and, and Paul Coots back will be, you know, vitally important for them. And, you know, as you mentioned, I do expect them to start getting points on the board now. And while they might just miss out, I reckon they'll have another good season and, you know, continue to build on that momentum that they sort of started to pick up last season and, you know, turn themselves into a real solid championship team again, you know, where they deserve to be. So, Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Moving on to the next game sort of from the weekend, we'll cover the, the Rotherham and Ipswich game. Two teams that I've tipped to be sort of in and around the relegation zone this season. So for both sides, it was important to, you know, get a win uh, early days still, but you know, you need to pick up points against the teams that you expect to finish around you. And Rotherham came out one nil winners. Do you expect both of these teams to be around the bottom of the table, Louis? And out of the two, who would you say is more sort of in danger of, of going down? Yeah, definitely. I, I, I think most people, you know, championship football fans especially would have predicted Rotherham to go straight back down. Uh, whether Ipswich go down, I think they'll be around, you know, the relegation zone. Um, but I'm not sure if, you know, they, they have got a bit more quality maybe, especially when they play at home throughout the season. That might just keep them up. But in terms of the game, I'm, I'm actually pleased that Rotherham won and kept a clean sheet. I know it was in the 90th minute through Michael Smith. Um, but that's going to do them, a, you know, a, give them a, loads of confidence going into the next game because they got absolutely hammered in the first game, you know, um, at the start of the season. So to actually get a one nil victory at home, um, I'm, I'm pleased for them. And, and you know, as the season progresses and, af- and you know, after 35, 40 games, they might look back at this game and this could be, it sounds stupid, but a potential six six pointer that they've you know beating Ipswich because I, I fully expect them to be both down there and and you know the, those three points even though it's early stages could certainly be vital for Rotherham so yeah they've uh, done really well uh, getting a victory there at home against Ipswich after the huge defeat on the first game of the season. Yeah, I think Rotherham, you know, purely just because of the the budget that they've got, I expect them to be down there. I think Ipswich the the reason I worry for them sort looking through the the average age of that starting 11 they've got quite a lot of players without you know massive experience at this level and quite a lot of young players so it's going to be important for the likes of Bielkowski the keeper and Skews in midfield you know to really sort of carry that team almost and you know provide that experience so for them especially going to away games and that kind of thing against you know teams like Rotherham where they need to be picking up points I think the sooner they can sort of get points on the board for them, you know, the better. And I, while I don't think they'll go down, I do think that they'll be sort of in and around the relegation zone this season and definitely in the bottom half. But to uh, to move on to the next game from the weekend, and I'm going to skip one in my uh, sort of rundown um, and we'll talk about them in a bit. But the next one I wanted to talk about is Sheffield Wednesday and Hull. So I'll start you off first on this, Louis. I know um, mm-hmm. me, you and Jake were sort of chatting off air about people that we think will be top goal scorers and that kind of thing in the, the league this season. And I know you uh, did mention uh, Nui, who, who got sent off uh, the <laughs> other day. So that did make me laugh. Um, how do you sort of expect Sheffield Wednesday's season to go this year? Do you reckon you can have a better season than you did last season? I hope so, because last season was pretty atrocious at times. Um, I fully expect Wednesday this season to be pretty average, and by that I mean finish probably about halfway. Um, We've still obviously got a lot of quality players, um, but we've also got a lot of players that probably need offloading. And and as you know, we're in an embargo now. Um, Going back to the game, obviously we drew 1-1 with Hull City. That was probably just about a fair result um the the whole going one nil up was vital for them i think if if wednesday had gone one nil up in that game then we may have won quite comfortably because when we did get it back to one one we had we had the better chances especially stephen fletcher he, he missed you could call two of them were at least sitters where he on another day yeah he'd have scored two or three goals so um that was frustrating um, I don't know where we'd be without Forestieri, to be honest. He's obviously, as everyone knows, our most quality player and valuable asset. And he obviously scored the penalty. Um, but in terms of Nui, I know yeah, he got sent off. He did manage to score in that first game. Um, 
I was obviously basing him, you know, being one of the top league goal scorers on, on the end of last season where he managed to score something crazy like 10 goals in 12 games. Um, but at the minute, I don't think the manager probably knows who his best strikers are because, as you know, we've, we've got a handful of, of players. Hopefully, Hooper's going to return soon and Zhao, he's, he's injured also. Um, but it goes beyond that. We've still got obviously got Sam Winall and then there's Forestieri to fit in as well. Rhodes is out on loan. And, uh, yeah, we've, we've got too many strikers, really. But, yeah, in terms of this season, um, un- unless we have hell of a lot of luck where our best players return and they don't get injured again this season, then we may push somewhere above halfway. But otherwise, yeah, I think if 12-13 would probably be about right for us this season. Um, Hull City, on the other hand, yes, I fear for them a little bit. Um, I know they've picked up one point from two games also, and I think they'll finish somewhere similar to where they are now, yeah, and where they finished last season as well. Um maybe around the 16th to 18th mark. I think they will survive, but it's probably going to be a long, hard season, just like it will be for Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, you mentioned those goals knew who got at the end of the season last year. I played a game at Hillsborough where he got the hat-trick, so, you know, bad memories about that. It was probably one of the worst games I went to last season from a Preston point of view. We just didn't turn up, you know, got soaking wet. Probably probably the uh, best game he's ever played as well. So, yeah, it was a bad day for you and best best one ever for him, yeah. Yeah, and the train was delayed on the way home as well, which sort of just rounded it off quite nicely. Um, To move on to the next game, though, and one that I didn't really want to talk about, um, Swansea against Preston. Swansea came out 1-0 winners. For us, it was a story of how sort of the start of the season and also last season went, you know, we had a lot of the ball, created a lot of chances. We just really struggled to put them away. To go away to a team like Swansea, you've just come down and have uh, nearly 60% possession and create more shots and chances than they do. And I think uh, the stat that I saw from the weekend, we had the most passes completed and I think the top or second highest pass completion rate to go away and play like we did, but just not put the ball in the back of the net. You know, he's hugely disappointing from sort of watching the highlights and, and, you know, hearing on the radio, the second half, it was just all Preston. And, you know, it's, it's really been sort of that kind of story over the last 18 months. We had Sean Maguire out injured for the majority of last season. And then on the eve of this season in a friendly against Oldham, he, uh, he does his hamstring again and he's out for another three months. So, while he's probably our sort of biggest goal threat, you know, we can't keep relying on a player that, you know, is going to be out injured for long periods at a time. So in the uh, the last couple of days of the transfer window, we brought in Lucas Metcher from Manchester City on loan. You know, I've heard good things about him and, you know, he looked lively in the Swansea game. So hopefully he gets his first goal for us sooner rather than later. We've got sort of League Cup games coming up. I think we play Morecambe. Um, tomorrow night as we're recording this so you know good chance for him at home as well to get a goal or two and you know build his confidence up in in what is quite a a difficult start for us Um, how did you sort of see the game going Louis sort of from a a non-biased point of view and do you expect Swansea to be sort of there or thereabouts come the end of the season well I know you've summed it up well already there Um, the thing with Preston for me is yes I know they had a lot of possession and they deserve to come away with at least a point Um, but sometimes, for me, it's just about having those one or two players that have got that extra bit of quality, like world-class championship quality, if, if that makes sense. And I'm afraid to say, James, that's where I think Preston lack. They've certainly got a lot of, you know, 1-11, some great players in this division who, who can match up against anyone. But I think they just kind of miss that £10 million player that, a completely agree lot, yeah hell of a lot of teams in this division have got now and and a lot of surprisingly maybe not for you James or, or or maybe you'll correct me if I'm wrong but a lot of people have tipped Preston to finish in the playoffs this year and and I don't want to be awful and I know you're a Preston fan but it, for me it's just not going to happen and and that's simply because of the point I've just raised is that I think in this division now it seems to get tougher and tougher every season and there are certainly eight or nine teams that can potentially go up this season and that's because they've gone out and spent like I've just said 10 million plus on some on some teams on on players and and Preston obviously are just it's that's not going to happen there. Um, 
you know, best of luck to them and best of luck to you because I think Preston are a fantastic team to watch and they're a, on their day, they're a match against anybody. But on the other hand, that's kind of why probably Swansea got their victory um, is because they've got those type of players where, you know, sometimes only a couple of seconds matters in a game and, and they've, they've got a 1-0 victory and, you know, maximum points so far uh, six out of six and I fully expect Swansea to be in the top six at the end of the season uh, whether they can quite push for top two I'm not so sure uh, but for me that is sometimes just simply the difference between both sides I know Swansea certainly or beyond match uh, sorry Preston certainly matched and at least Swansea on the day but sometimes it is just a case of having that extra bit of quality um even if it's only over the course of a couple of minutes in a game it can sway it so i think that's um why i believe preston will probably finish somewhere around nine for tenth this season and, and swansea maybe push for third or fourth yeah i completely agree with you on the point you made there and it's been quite a sore subject with a lot of preston fans over the summer obviously you know we aren't gifted with having you know a lot of money to spend, but I think the real sort of gripe that the fans have had over the summer, you know, we sold Jordan Hugill for nine and a bit million to West Ham in January, and then we sold Greg Cunningham for about uh, two million in the summer to Cardiff, and, you know, that money's yet to be reinvested. We've signed, same as we have, you know, the last couple of years, a couple of players from lower league teams, like we brought in uh, Hughes from Peterborough, brought in people like Graham Burke from the League of Ireland, and you know, to bring these players in, it's all well and good bringing in young players and developing them. But there has to be that that want to get to the next level. And, you know, the money's there from those two deals. You know, the club have openly admitted it. And I think it's frustrating for Alex Neal not to be able to go out and buy, you know, that quality attacking player that, you know, he's, he's desperately wanting. And I think until the owner sort of loosens the purse strings to some extent and, you know, does reinvest that money in the squad, it's going to be really difficult for us like you mentioned to compete in and around the playoffs especially the amount of money floating about in the division nowadays you only have to look at teams like Nottingham Forest going out and spending sort of 20-25 million this summer people like Leeds bringing in players you know the the list is endless and Mm -hmm. sort of the, the quite worrying thing for us we haven't broke our transfer record since we signed David Healy in the 2000 to 2001 season, which to sign him for a million pounds, I think it was at the time. And, you know, sort of 18, 19 years later, not have broke that transfer record when, you know, nowadays a million pounds is absolutely nothing in football. You know, he's quite worrying. Um, so, yeah, I expect us to have another good season. Don't know why a lot of people have tipped us. I think Bet365 had us to finish third or fourth. You know, I, mm-hmm. no idea where they've got that from. And I'm probably one of the most optimistic Preston fans you'd meet. Um, but yeah, as, as you said, I reckon if we can finish similar to last year and around the playoffs, have a good sort of run at it, you know, who knows where that could take us. But yeah, I fully expect us this season to finish by eight and eight for ninth. And I think. As opposed to last season, I think that would be an even bigger accomplishment this year with, you know, teams like Leeds, Forest, spending more money in the calibre of teams coming down from the Premier League as well. Yeah. You know, I think that'll be an even bigger sort of achievement. But, you know, you never know. We could go out in January, be about sort of eighth or ninth in the league and, and sign a five to ten million pound player and, you know, have a really good end to the season. So we'll have to wait and see. Um, but to move on to the, the two games that I've sort of skipped out so far and two teams really that I wanted to touch on for for positive reasons really um you know they've had great starts to the season the first one been Brentford obviously on the opening day they had the massive win against Rotherham who you know I think we both tipped to be in and around the relegation zone this season and then to follow that up with you know a good point away at a Stoke side that have come down and you know at home for the first time this season in front of their own crowd would have wanted to get off to a strong start to peg them back and draw one all, you know, great for for Brentford. And over the last couple of years, they've been that team that have really sort of played the best football in the league. I think, you know, I don't think you'd find many people who disagree with that. But at times they've lacked that sort of doggedness, you know, to dig in. It's all well and good playing good football. But, you know, to play good football and come out on the, the wrong end of a result must be, you know, disappointing for Brentford fans. Do you think that this season they can go that one step further and, and 
sort of first and foremost getting the playoff spots? And do you think they have enough about them then to sort of challenge for the top two potentially? I really wish they did because, as you've mentioned there, for me, Brentford probably are one of the most entertaining teams in the league and they have been for probably at least three seasons now. So you've got to take your hat off to them simply because they don't go out and spend millions and millions of pounds. They've obviously got um, the way of doing things and, and and it obviously works. And, you know, this I kind of put them in the same bracket to Preston in the fact that they like I mentioned, they haven't got that £10 million striker or £10 million midfielder. And I really wish that, you know, Brentford would be promoted. It would be pretty much a miracle like when Bournemouth were promoted into the Premier League. Um, I think they will certainly be in the playoffs this season. I can, you know, see them finishing fifth or sixth. Um, But I think, again, they lack that quality to finish um, in the top two, I mean, they've obviously gone to Stoke, who are one of or were the favourites to finish first this season, and they've only managed to um, gain a point so far. But like you said, Brentford pegged them back, and they probably should have won over the 90 minutes. I know they fell behind through a phobia after half an hour, but again, one of the players in the championship for me who bagged the goal for Brentford, Ollie Watkins. I'm a huge fan of him. I think he's got everything. I'd, I'd love him at Sheffield Wednesday, and I'm sure a lot of championship teams would, would love him there also. Um, and in terms of Stoke, I am surprised that they haven't managed a victory yet. Um, but at the same time, they've had two tough fixtures. I know, obviously, we're going to come on to Leeds, but we all know what happened there. Leeds are playing some unbelievable football at the minute. And then against Brentford, like we've said, I think Stoke City just need to adapt to this division and slowly, given time, you know, another another three or four games, I think they'll slowly creep up that table and will be what you know fighting for auto, automatic promotion. They've they've definitely got the players and the, and the quality there. Uh, but yeah, like I say, I'd I'd, I'd love for Brentford to uh, go up, but I just think they're missing that um, quality. Yeah, like I say, quality midfielder or striker. Stoke City, I fully expect to be up there at the end of the season. Yeah, Brentford and, you know, we just touched on Preston. Ollie Watkins is exactly the kind of player that Preston are crying out for. So to sort of talk about him straight after Preston, you know, only sort of further highlights the need for that creative sort of attacking midfielder slash forward. Stoke, completely agree with you. I think the one thing going for Stoke that they have that not a lot of other teams have in this division is experience mixed in with sort of that quality as well. You know, when you have a, a midfield pairing of, of Joe Allen and Darren Fletcher, I don't think you're going to get a more experienced sort of midfield pairing in the division. And, and then, yeah, you I know, agree, yeah. attacking players like Tom Ince, you know, he struggled in the Premier League, but, you know, the last time he was down in the Championship, you know, absolutely fantastic. He's a player that seems to thrive in this division. You know, players like Bojan as well, you know, he's got that quality who can, you know, on his day be one of the best players in the league. And then, you know, a goal scorer like Benekofobe as well. Experience of Peter Crouch, you know, the list is endless. So, yeah, I definitely expect them to be top two. Them and Middlesbrough would be my sort of picks for automatic promotion if I was to go and put a bet on now. So, yeah, I fully expect them to be there or thereabouts come the end of the season. And, you know, hold, getting keeping hold of Jack Butland, should I say. Again, I know we made the error in the uh, the game against Leeds, but I expect him to have a good season this year. He's a fantastic keeper and, you know, to have a keeper of that quality, you know, with a defensive midfield like they have as well, it's going to be very hard for teams to break them down and quite annoyingly Preston play the next and uh, it's on <laughs> Sky as well where we never seem to do well. So I fully expect a Stoke win in that game. Um, but to move on to the final game that we haven't touched on yet and we talked a little bit about Leeds there Leeds 4-1 winners against, and I have to say it every time since Sky more or less make me, Frank Lampard's Derby County. Um, <laughs> not a result that many people would have seen coming purely for the sort of the the manner in which Leeds went out. I think you would have found some people that had said Leeds will win the game, but I don't think many people would have predicted 4-1, you know, against sort of a, a localish rival. Um Fantastic result for them. And I wanted to touch firstly on the performance, um, especially by Kimar Rufu. I watched the game and I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Not many people said he could play as that number nine this season, but, you know, he's really transforming himself. And, you know, to score up the header that he did and then also sort of a goal 
sort of on the ground as well. He's sort of adding another string to his bow, I think, over the last couple of seasons. And he said it in the interview after the game, he's not really that player who sort of finds it easy to sort of head the ball and, and score many headers. So he's really developing into quite a, a threat up front for Leeds. And then, you know, you add that in with the sort of the midfield experience and know-how that they've got people like Hernandez and then the sort of the attacking talents to size and Alioski as well. Uh, you know, I fully expect them to have a good season and to get Bielsa in as well, you know, a, a guy that's managed at international level, people like Argentina and Chile, and then he's managed teams, you know, host of teams across Europe, you know, Lazio, Marseille, Athletic, Bilbao. To have him at Leeds, you know, a real coup for them. Do you expect him to sort of carry on in this vein of form for the, the remainder of the season, Louis? I know sort of over the last few years, Leeds have started well, fallen off around Christmas and then been quite quick to change the manager. Do you expect a repeat of that this season or do you think Bielsa's sort of the real deal for them and he can sort of take them to that next step? I think he's a real deal. I think certainly now Leeds need to be taken very, very seriously. They've probably played um, two of the toughest fixtures all season in, in terms of you know going to away, away to Derby and playing Stoke, who, like I mentioned, were the favourites um, at the beginning of the season and, and winning 3-1 and 4-1, like I say. Um, it's the Bielsa effect, isn't it? I remember watching Bill Bow uh, years and years ago uh, in Liga under Bielsa and the football they played, and it's obviously happening at Leeds now, is is, is unbelievable. Like, you know, we've, we've touched on Brentford there being very entertaining um, and, and great to watch. And if, you know, if you live two miles from the ground, you'd probably be getting a season ticket. Well, Look what's happening at Leeds now. You know, every, you know, everyone's taking note of, of what's happening, and you know, early indicators suggest that they would finish in the top four. Let's say, um, you know, it's it is a long, hard, tough season. You know, we're, we're only two games in, and there's 44 to play. You know, we're, I've, you know, I've got to be realistic here. Um, but like you mentioned, Leeds normally do fall short around January time. Um, that happened, obviously, they had a, a couple of dips in form under Christiansen before they sacked him, and then we know what happened with Heckingbottom. Um, but yeah, like I say, the Bielsa effect, I think that this may last, this run of form, potentially till February, March, before they probably begin to be fatigued. Um, but they've kind of got to get out close, because if Leeds United continue playing as they do, then this is where the January window comes in, in terms of um, even if it's a couple of free transfers or a couple of loans and add into that squad just to give them that um, edge again and energy uh, when they are becoming tired because whether they can play like that all season, I doubt it, but it's about getting points on the board and if they have won, let's say, 75% of their games by Christmas, then they will certainly be one of the contenders for going up this season. Um, they're absolutely great to watch at the minute. Obviously, I've watched both games and it just goes to show you why teams do chop and change managers often because I suppose every team at the minute is looking for Bielsa. Um, you know, like you mentioned there as well, Roof, he looks like a different player, had a fantastic game. I thought Samuel Saiz was awesome in midfield. He played really well. And I think in terms of Derby County, they were just unlucky to be playing Leeds this weekend um, because I think they'll be just fine as well. I expect them to definitely finish at least 10th this season. You know, I think Lampard will do well at Derby. But I think just at the minute, like I said, they've they've played Leeds at the wrong time and I fully expect Leeds to be first or second in the league for at least a few months now. Um, and then, like I say, it's, it's just all down to fat fatigue and whether they have got that uh, consistent quality in the squad to remain at the top, but only time will tell. Yeah, I completely agree with the point you made on Leeds there. I think, you know, the January window, if they carry on in this form, will be vitally important for them to get, you know, a couple of fresh faces in and give the whole team a lift. I think sort of moving to Derby, a real wake-up call for Frank Lampard. And obviously you mentioned they played Leeds at probably the wrong time. I think, you know, Sky especially, listening to their coverage of, of Lampard since that 
that win in the last minute against Reading was getting quite tedious. So it's almost nice that they've had a bit of a wake-up call now. And, you know, that's nothing against Lampard, but I think it will be a lot harder than people have made out for him this season. I think, you know, the players that he's brought in, he's brought in a couple of youngsters from Chelsea who, you know, when you have those kind of links, you can't blame him. Players like Mason Mount, for example, and then he's brought in play, players like Wycorn as well and, and Harry Wilson. So it's going to get or take a little bit of time for him to to get them to play the way he wants and, you know, stamp his identity on this team. And I think he'll be given the time to to build a squad. I think Derby, similarly to Leeds over the last few years, have been a team that, you know, haven't found that consistency because they've been quite eager to change managers. So I think both managers will be given time I think Bielsa more so just because of his track record at international and, you know, teams across Europe. I think he'll be given time and backing in January, as you mentioned. But I think going back to Lampard, it'll be a lot tougher than people have made out. And as you said, I reckon they'll be sort of in and around the playoffs, maybe just a bit outside this season. And then it's up to him then to have another transfer window or two to really sort of build the squad he wants and, and, you know, stamp his mark on this team. But, you know, by no means do I think they'll have a bad season. I think, you know, they'll be there or thereabouts. But I think there's a bit more quality in other teams and a bit more know-how from managers that, you know, may just see Derby come up a bit short. Mm-hmm. But to move on to sort of the <laughs> the season only just gets going and we talk about the championship and straight away attention turns to uh, League Cup games. And, you know, both of our teams have games this midweek. We'll start with you first, Louis. Um, obviously, Sheffield Wednesday playing on Thursday night, which is quite a weird day for a League Cup. I was looking through to see who you were playing and assumed you had a buy or something because I couldn't see you on the, uh, the Tuesday or Wednesday <laughs> billing. Yeah. Um, so on Sky away at Sunderland, a team that obviously we know quite well from their time in the division last season, although they've got a few new faces in and a new manager. How do you sort of expect the game to go? Do you expect, you know, this to be a competition where you give the fringe players a chance uh, obviously the transfer embargo I think for you now I don't know if you agree it'll be important for you to get those squad players you know playing consistently and bin match sharp should they need to be called on obviously you won't be able to go out and sort of buy anyone do you sort of see it going that way on Thursday night? Yeah I do I expect fringe players to play or, or, or should I say half strong side half weaker side uh, maybe um, you know what? First and foremost, league is priority. So whatever happens in this game, I know you maybe shouldn't say it, but the League Cup, a lot of teams in this division would agree. I'm not really bothered um, because, you know, we've got Brentford on Sunday away. I would rather lose against Sunderland and then beat Brentford in the league than lose to Brentford on Sunday and and beat, and beat Sunderland in the Cup. Um, I expect it to be a tight game. Like I say, you might play fringe players. Um, I can see this being 1-1 and actually going to extra time and penalties, to be honest. Um, I think it might be a, a long night for both sides. Um, and like I say, the, the league's priority. If you know, I'd, I'd be happy if, obviously, Wednesday won. But at the same time, if they got beat, then all your attention turns to the league um, it's not like Sheffield Wednesday are going to potentially be trying to win the League Cup this season um, and I think like I mentioned there it's, it's the same for a lot of clubs when it comes to the League Cup you know you, you take your bottom 10 teams in the championship and they probably say similar that they'd rather go out in the League Cup early on so that they can have players uh, fit and energetic for the league games it's, it's more about staying in this division and, and that's not me saying Wednesday are going to be in a relegation fight by all means but like I say the the League Cup at this stage is is not really important to us um, I don't know whether you've got a similar view with Preston but I, it's it's kind of that's just I don't take the League Cup too seriously that's all Yeah I kind of have a similar view on it in terms of First and foremost, giving fringe players uh, sort of a game for us. There's been quite a few players who played really well last season who haven't sort of had a, a look in so far this season and a couple of new signings who want to get game time under their belt. So we're at home to Morecambe tomorrow night as we're recording this. So I expect quite a lot of changes from the, the team that played Swansea. 
players like Brandon Barker, who was just brought in from Man City to get a start, Graham Burke to get a start, um, you know, keep those fringe players ticking over, especially in the opening weeks of the season, getting them game time so they're ready should they need to be called upon. Yeah, I have a, a similar view sort of as, as you, Louis, obviously optimistic as as I am sort of always with <laughs> Preston. I I don't ever expect us to win the League Cup. You know, there's there's teams that, you know, your Premier League teams that had come and, you know, beat us quite comfortably. So we're never going to win it. The the thing for me with the League Cup is, especially if you get an easy-ish draw, that's not a knock on Morecambe by any means. You know, give the fringe players a, a run out. You know, if we win, great. Hopefully we get, you know, a, a big Premier League team in, in one of the early rounds, you know, a bit of a payday and, you know, whatever happens, happens. But if we go out of it, you know, I'm not going to lose any sleep. It's almost uh, exactly, yeah. a friendly. Exactly. The way I sort of describe it is like a friendly competition. You know, I'm, I'd rather do well in the FA Cup, for example, than the League Cup. Yeah. And, you know, the League Cup early on in the season, it's a good opportunity to get a bit more sort of match sharpness into the legs. And, you know, if you win, great. If you lose, as I said, not going to lose any sleep. So having said that, I reckon we should beat Morecambe. Um, although last season we got beat away at Accrington Stanley um, in quite embarrassing fashion. There was, I think, 10 changes on the night and, uh, you know, they beat us quite comfortably. So hopefully not a repeat of that. And, um, you know, if we can win, get a decent Premier League side next, you know, it's a, it's a good evening out with my mates. So, can't complain there but yeah won't lose any sleep if we go out um, agreed but with yeah with that we're out of time uh cheers for joining me today louie i know it's been a lot of us two talking which you know we do quite a lot of fair so to to sort of record it you know makes it a lot easier um i'll let you plug the the twitter uh since you do the majority of the running on it and then sort of any projects you're involved in as well we shouldn't have told people that because i'm the one arguing with them then on online but, uh... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, obviously you can catch this show. We always pin the show when it becomes available and live on our pin tweet. And that is at Championship Pod on Twitter. Uh, we regularly run polls on Saturday with games of the week. We also discuss like surprise victory and worst team of the week also. Um, and we have obviously just general championship chat. Uh, but yes, you can also find me. I'm on Twitter at Louis Shackshaft, which is just my name. Or you can visit my website, which is my name, also louisshackshaft.com. I'm, like we mentioned, a Sheffield Wednesday fan. I regularly post Sheffield Wednesday statistics and uh, do a lot of writing, uh, blogging articles, etc. on those. Yeah, and you can reach me on Twitter at at underscore James Vickers, where I mainly tweet about Preston North End, English football as a whole, and a bit of German football as well. So if you're interested in any of them, definitely give me a follow. And more importantly, as Louis mentioned, definitely give the the show a follow on Twitter as well. And each week when each new episode is out, it's our pinned tweet. So, you know, definitely check it out and share it with your friends. Um, But yeah, cheers for joining me today, Louis. Um, Hopefully it's not long till we have you on again, and uh, we'll see you next time. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.